What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Well, Mr. Ken Milam, have you gone out and did any type of estimates on if your hives have nectar and if they have capped honey? And if so, is it enough to harvest or do they barely have enough for themselves? No, I've got enough to harvest. We had uh, a great flower. No, not a great flower. All the flowers. We had a great Mexican sombrero bloom up here. A great one. Now, a lot of the other flowers didn't make it, but the Mexican sombrero, I guess the rain hit just right. Then we've had a wonderful mesquite bloom up here, and now the white brush is blooming. So I'm going to say I'm going to have four to six medium eight-frame boxes to harvest. Okay. And that's actually looking inside the hives and knowing that all of those boxes have capped and or open nectar in them. Got a lot of open nectar. I mean, right now we got a lot of open nectar, so I'm letting them sit until they go to closing some up. And finally we're going to get dry. It's been so dang humid that, uh, in fact, one of them, I had a swarm and I says, you know, I'm going to bolster that swarm up. I'm going to feed them and get them, building faster and by the way when you start putting some sugar water on those this time of year they filled out like they they had it was an eight frame brood box they had two comb in there they had one no they had two foundation that i had put extra wax and they were the acorn had already had the triple waxed then i rubbed more wax onto them and those two foundations are drawn out both sides full they cleaned up the two comb and they have the other four empty frames about half full no one of them they hadn't touched the other three frames about half full of comb prettiest white comb you've ever seen and uh so i said you know i'm gonna start feeding them and they are building comb like crazy once i started feeding them they really kicked in then so i said well, that's I a bunch of new comb and so yeah well and this year for uh for everybody has been chaos especially here in the United States. Um, you've got areas where like where it's normally not that hot. It is all of a sudden scorching hot places that normally get a decent average amount of rain have either got no rain and they're dry or they've gotten so much rain that they're flooded and everything's washed away. Everything this year seems to be extremes and there are bee yards where they don't have any nectar. Um, they've been basically, if they survived, it was because the beekeeper has intervened and has been having to feed them constantly the whole time going through. You've got other bee yards where 
they managed to hit it just right and get a ton of nectar and stuff in there. My bee yard, the main bee yard that we use at the main apiary for the all the honey production, it was an extremely late start. So we had, for us, that winter screwed everything up. All of our normal spring blooms that would have happened were drastically delayed. A lot of things didn't ever bloom. And a lot of the trees that we have that would have been nectar producing trees didn't bloom. They spent all of their energy trying to, yeah, they well, or they, they, they lost a lot of their established limbs and their newer limbs from last year. So they spent a lot of their energy trying to regrow uh, and didn't actually end up putting out any blooms. So for us, we had, I had a lot of colonies that still had honey left over, thankfully that they managed Mm -hmm. to overwinter really well, despite that extended long, super cold period. So they were doing okay. And then a little bit of supplemental feeding in there because it, since how a lot of those early spring blooms never happened, our nectar flow didn't get started until May. And normally, you know, we can start eking stuff out in March and April. It kind of starts really low and starts going up. And then by the time you hit May, you're at a really good pace. This year, it really just didn't do it. And then when it, the, the other part of that is that when we did finally get flowers out there, then we started getting rain and the rain was like every day or every other day for weeks and weeks on end, which that was the time period when I couldn't get out to the apiary to go on the backside. I could go check the top bars on the front side, but I couldn't check the Langstroth hives on the backside because I couldn't get across the creek that suddenly had water and it wasn't ever going away. So it was June before I was ever able to get out there and add additional boxes. And I did it when we had a nice little week where it was nice and dry long enough that that creek bed dried out enough I could drive through it. And I got out there and I added all the extra boxes and I got everything set up, but it was way too late in the season to try to do any of my Ross rounds, to try to do... I already had all the jars prepped to do the comb built inside the jar. That was going to be my fun little adventure for this year. It never happened because I could never get to those hives in May when I should have to put those on there. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of been all over the place. But like you said, we did have finally way late in June because, again, it, it continued to rain all the way through June. We had a couple of weeks cool. where it dried up a little cool. bit. Yeah, and it was cool, which the cool part, we're not... not uh, talking bad about that at all because we're i'm happy Not about that part but it did start raining again after i got those boxes out there like i made it maybe a day or two days before more rain came in and then the creek bed was suddenly no longer passable again it's just like everything has been topsy-turvy right so it kind of reminds me of four years ago i think it was four years ago we had a summer and a spring that was very much kind of the same way. We either had way too much rain at the wrong time or we had no rain at all. And what ended up happening, and I don't know because I haven't been out there this year to do my final evaluation and check and see, and I'm hoping it's not the case, but this could be the case for some of our listeners out there where you may go check your hives and you may find that one hive has a ton of extra honey and then the next three hives are starving and don't hardly have anything. They may not have but a frame of open nectar, if that. So you've got to go through and you've got to kind of look at what's happening out there. And if that's the case, about four years ago, that was the case for me. 
where I ended up not having a honey harvest because every colony that I went to that had honey, I had three or four colonies that did not have honey. And so what I ended up having to do was take the frames of excess honey that I normally would have extracted and I had to divide them out between the other colonies so that all the colonies could have enough food to make it through our summer dearth, which was coming. And because of that, that's one of those being responsible, being a good steward of the land and of your bees. In those instances, you have to make that sacrifice and you've got to start making some decisions on the the sparsity of what's going on out there. I don't know that that's not necessarily a good phrasing, but it's going to be, do you decide to be selfish and take all the honey that you can get or do you divide that honey out and give it to the colonies that actually need the excess honey? And that year, that's what I did. I gave all the honey that I had that was excess from other colonies to the colonies that needed it, which meant that I didn't get a honey harvest. I had to distribute it evenly throughout all those colonies. So I know that there are some beekeepers out there. There's a lot of, uh, of us here just in Central Texas. We still don't have any honey. So we've got people, you know, our normal clients and everybody that's like, hey, we want another order. And everyone is like, sorry, I don't have any. You know, I called around to all the people that I would normally refer to and checked with them and all of them. We we don't have any or we have just a very tiny little bit left that we're saving for, you know, our own personal boutique stores or whatever. And that's it. So this year's been pretty rough. And again, you've got other areas where normally it might be a struggle and, and this year they've got a bountiful overflow. So congrats if that happens to be your case. But I'm kind of curious what it's going to end up looking like and also what it's doing to some of the colonies. Because if you don't have enough food coming in, you wind up in the same scenario that we're going to be here in this next coming month in August. That's usually the peak of our summer dearth where there is no food out there available. The colonies start going through a little bit of a a mini period of a decline where they kind of shut down their brood production and they quit laying. And when they do that, then there's also a lot of other concerns and questions that come up for some individuals. They'll think that their queen, you know, something's wrong with her. There's, there, she's not laying. She might not be there because they're not good at spotting the queen. And so we'll start getting panicked questions, you know, like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, my queen's gone. I lost her. I don't know what happened. There's no eggs or larva present anywhere. Well, it could also be environmental if they have no nectar coming in and there's no food available out there in nature, the bees know there's no point in going through and raising more mouths to feed when there's no food to feed the mouths that are already here. So they'll shut down brood production. And I could continue on that whole little thing for a little while. But but yeah, it's it's one of those things where are you going to have any honey? And if so, is it going to be enough to harvest or is it just enough to leave for the bees and spread out through the other colonies? You're probably, if you're in one of those situations where your main nectar flow is coming to an end or has already ended and the bees don't have hardly any food stores in there, then you're probably going to go ahead and have to start feeding again. That's not something that I like to do, but Mm -hmm. it comes down to that. Do you want your bees to survive or not? And if they don't have any food and you're not going to get a honey harvest and your nectar flow is already done then you're going to have to feed those bees so that they can get the stores that they need, especially if you have a dearth coming up like we do here for the next month. You know, that may be a choice and a sacrifice that you have to make. Yep. 
No, I, I agree. And, and, and up here, like you said, when it started raining, it wouldn't quit. And now uh, all of a sudden it has quit. We got rain up until the first of this week. And now the weatherman's saying, oh, drier and hotter. And next week, which we have not hit a hundred this year, but one time so far, we got two days of a hundred plus this next week. And I got yeah. a feeling we're going to be hitting hundred about five days this week myself, because we're supposed to be 98, 99. So that we're going to hit a hundred. So, and it's dry. And one of the things I was going to say is I put a swarm in and start feeding them and bolstering them up. Well, you couldn't believe how much condensation came up through and then built on the top of that feeder. You know, just a little, one of the little round feeders. I'm sitting there. Wow. Do I need to bend them? And I probably do. And, uh, but I was just sitting there all this condensation. I said, well, is it out of my feeder? Could have been, or is it out of the bees and probably both. But uh, once they started pulling that uh, sugar water out of that uh, feeder, it really got bad then. So it's just, it was so humid that it wouldn't evaporate. It was just going up and con condensing. So the whole humidity thing, that also is something that could cause a huge curveball in there for people too. Because for instance, a lot of people, we've talked about this before, the whole beekeeping by calendar if you were to try to do that in a year like now where it is too humid mm -hmm. and you pulled the honey because you always pull the honey on the same day, you're going to have to then have some sort of setup to go ahead and continue to dehydrate that honey down or it's going to end up being too high of a moisture content and it could then go through and ferment and spoil. And for me, you know, I was late getting them out there. I did get to go out and check them, I think, I, th I don't remember if it was when I put the boxes on them or I went out one time after that before I was able to not get back across the creek again and check. And they did start bringing in very late in the season a ton of nectar. And I was mm -hmm. like, woohoo, there may be, you know, there may be hope still yet. Fingers crossed. And with all this drawn comb, they don't have to spend the resources on drawing it. They can just fill it up. So I'm hoping that it did good. But I also know that all of that nectar was still in open cells and it was frame after frame after frame of open cells, meaning they didn't have it dehydrated enough yet to go through and consider it ripe and cap it, which means you have to leave it on there longer. And the more humid it is outside and the more of that constant moisture that they have, the more they've got to work to keep that internal temperature and the internal humidity at the level they need it and still be going through and trying to dehydrate the honey down, which adds even more internal humidity to them as well. So it can really be a, a tough job, you know, and, and kind of like a, a fine line between like, is it enough or is it not enough? You know, when do I do this? So I've, mine are still there. We're coming up on August. I have hypothetically planned for somewhere around the second week of, of August to go through and do my honey harvest. And if I get out there and I go through and I start looking and I'm finding that I've got 75% of the comb is still open nectar, then I'm not going to do the harvest. I'm going to continue to wait until I've got the majority of all of it as capped honey. Now, that does also mean that during that process, we're going to be moving into the summer dearth. There's not going to be food available for them. And they may start consuming 
what would have in theory been part of my honey harvest. And if they do that, you know what that means? They needed it more than I did. Yep. So I can't get upset because the bees ate all the honey because it's theirs to begin with. <laughs> yep. Pretty much, yeah. So if that's how it goes and they do go through and they consume, you know, a lot of that open nectar that's in there right now. And when I go back later, instead of having, you know, 75% of all the combs have uncapped nectar in it, maybe 50% of the combs are now empty. Well, then they desperately needed that. And that's just, again, that's one of those sacrifices that we have to make. And one of those decisions that we have to make whenever resources are sparse and food is sparse and, you know, you have sparse decisions. <laughs> yeah, it's things you got to, well, it's like any kind of livestock, you know, okay. Uh, we've got a cold front coming in. Okay. But it's not coming in for about, uh, about four weeks. Do I want to share my sheep and goats now? Or do I want to wait because, uh, it's going to come in wet and everybody knows if you have sheep and you share them and that wet water gets on their back, those sheep are dead. I mean, they die because they got too cold. So it's all, you know, it's the same thing. You're thinking about your livestock. Okay. Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? This is how I need to do it. Okay. You know how to do it. You just do it the right way and hope it works. And most of the time, a lot of times it does. And I'm still in the learning process of these, of taking care of these bees because this year has been crazy. I have lost one, two, three, four to six, four or five colonies of bees. It, I open them up and ain't nothing in there. What the hell? I don't know if they abscond. Or, and, and one of them, they just died. I, they laid down in the bottom of the box and died. So I don't know. It's just been a different, a different year. Period. One of the things that I, I mentioned briefly in the rambling back there towards the, the beginning of all this was the fact that sometimes the, well, again, depending on your region and depending on your weather, if you do go into a dearth, the bees will cut down on that brood production and the queen will stop laying. That's always, especially like when you have the beekeeping associations and the clubs and you get new members and stuff that come in. That is always something that in August here in Central Texas, we always had to go through and reiterate to everybody, your colony is likely not queenless. You did not lose your queen. Like every colony is doing this. They have an ebb and a flow to them. And that ebb and flow is a natural process because it's counterintuitive to raise a bunch of babies that need tons of food if there's no food out there to even feed the adult bees you already have. And when it gets really desperate, they will cannibalize the larva to reconsume that protein and that moisture and to alleviate the need for then having to go through and feed extra bees. They'll also cull out, like if they were raising drones and all of a sudden there's a, a huge shift in the availability of food, mm -hmm. they'll go uncap those drone cells and they'll pull the pupating larva out and throw them out the front of the hive because they'll abort them. Literally, we don't need you right now because you're going to eat a ton of food and all of a sudden there's no food available out there. So you got to go, you know, so they know what they're doing. But one of these things that this is this is kind of a, a large leap to make here, but it has to do with queens. 
And I bring it up because it is actually, it goes back into that making choices and making decisions and stuff and trying to figure out what's going on. And it makes me think of it because the queen, the whole concept of the queen not laying and is my queen therefore bad or is something going on? You have to judge the queen by a couple of different things. And one of those is, number one, if she was laying in the past and she was laying well, and then all of a sudden she stops laying, but she's still present and you can see her and find her, there may be a reason for that. And it could be the fact that there's no food out there and they're going into a dearth and they have no nectar in the colony and maybe no captunny in the colony. Maybe there's no pollen coming in. Like there could be external reasons. There could be internal reasons too. If for whatever reason, the colony population has dwindled down, there may not be enough foragers to therefore bring in the necessary food needed and to take care of the babies and raise the young. So she might've had to restrict her laying down to a smaller pattern or quit. Now, all of that being said, we did have uh, one of our listeners in the San Antonio area send us a message yesterday, which it was really kind of an interesting concept. And it it was a twofold scenario. So I'm going to throw this in here just for everybody real quick, because it's it's a good thinking experiment or a good thinking process and challenge for people. When you go through and you're making these decisions and you're trying to figure out like what to do at certain times of the year, in this instance, they came across two separate queen-related issues. Number one, they had a colony that had raised a queen. By the math, that queen should have already went out and done her mating flights, come back, and should have been laying by now. Mm -hmm. But she wasn't. There wasn't a single egg in that colony anywhere. So they give it a little bit of time, they check again, and she's still not laying. But she is running around the colony. The bees are, you know, kind of gathering around her doing the little retinue. But then she'll move off. And she's putting her head down inside the cells where therefore you could say she's either looking for food or she's measuring the cell or making sure the cell is ready. And she's doing this, but she's not physically laying any eggs. And when she does a motion that looks like she's maybe going to try to lay an egg, there's no egg left behind. You see the queen doing these motions and you know that by the calendar and by the math that she should have already mated. She should have already started laying eggs she acts like she wants to, but nothing's happening. So is the queen invalid? I mean, technically, even if she wasn't properly mated, she will eventually start laying eggs, but those eggs won't be fertilized and you'll end up having a drone laying queen. And you'll know that it's the queen because there'll still just be single eggs in the cell, but those every egg she lays is a boy, you know, as opposed to a laying worker colony where there's multiple eggs in the cells. Now, that also has a caveat, though, that we've talked about before. When she finally does start laying for the very first time, sometimes she will accidentally go back over the same spot and you will find where there are two eggs in the bottom of a cell, but they're right in the bottom, right down towards the center. They're not off on the sides. There's not 12 eggs in there. There's two. She will do that from time to time. She'll have a couple little misfires as she figures it out. But in this scenario, the concern was, well, I, I don't think she's going to lay. Something's wrong with her. What do I do? Do I get rid of her? Because what if the colony goes laying worker? That was the first concern. As long as the queen is present, the colony is not going to go laying worker. For the fact that the queen and the queen mandibular pheromone 
is what actually inhibits the growth and the development of the ovaries in the worker bees. Now, the brood pheromone from the larva and the brood developing, that also lets them know that a queen is present, so therefore they don't need to take action. But the queen being gone, that has to happen first for them to start developing their ovaries and actually get to a point where they could physically generate an egg to begin with before they can ever go laying worker. So as long as she's there, even if she's not laying eggs, she's still producing queen mandibular pheromone, which will prevent the whole laying worker issue going on. So that's number one. So that was, that's not as much of a concern, but your colony, if the queen doesn't start laying is going to start shrinking down and that can cause other problems. So the second thing that they found was that they had a colony that had two queens in it and not, and we're not talking like two queens, one up and like four boxes up and one down two queens on the same frame running around wow. in this colony. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of different scenarios for that too. One of those Queens was physically laying eggs and they actually have it on video backing into the cell, laying the egg. The other queen on the other side of the frame, you know, she's kind of running around and looking at stuff. And so the initial reaction was, I've got these two queens. They both seem to be laying. They both seem to be fine. I'm going to take one of those queens and I'm going to go put it into the colony with the new queen who's not laying. And I'm going to take that new queen out. So now that I know both of my colonies have a queen in there that can lay eggs and that's fine. As long as both of those queens are laying, you know, that that's good. My initial reaction, though, to the entire message was, yes, sometimes you'll come across things like this. And most of the time, it will work itself out. So in the instance of the queen who wasn't laying, she very well could have been thrown off because of the weather. Like I said, we've talked the whole mm -hmm. beginning part of this about how the weather was all over the place and it's just been chaos and crazy. Her mating flights could have been thrown off because every day that she needed to go mate, we were having rain. And especially like down in the San Antonio area, they just had a whole round of like flooding here recently. Right. So if she normally would leave to go mate hypothetically between one o'clock and three o'clock on the days that she needs to go, and every single day at 11 o'clock, it starts raining and it doesn't stop until three or four o'clock, she's missed her opportunity. So then she has to wait another day and then she has to wait another day. So even though your calendar says she emerged on this 16th day and then I fast forward five days, she should be mating and I fast forward seven days and she should be laying. Well, maybe it was 10 days instead of five before she got out to go mate. Or maybe it was 15 days before she was able to get out and go mate. But once she finally did and she comes back, she's doing some of those initial steps, that practice and that getting used to what I need to do. So maybe she just mated late and everything is still settling and starting to develop and she's working up that production and getting ready to start laying, but we just didn't give her enough time. The other part of it with the two queens in the hive, you have a scenario there where there could be multiple different things here. A completely different colony could have swarmed. That queen could have left to go do her mating flights. But when she came back, she got confused and she went to the wrong hive. If that's the case, it will usually resolve itself because either the colony or the queens will take care of the extra queen. She may be in there for a little while, but at given enough time, it'll rectify itself. 
or that queen could have literally came from that colony. Say the queen that was in there, something's wrong with her. Either her pheromone production is not very high, she's sick, she's got some issue going on, and the rest of the colony knows it. So they raised a supersedure queen. And this is hypothetical. But they raised a supersedure queen who then comes out and has not dispatched the original queen yet. If that's the case, and you go in and you intervene on this, what happens if you take out the wrong queen? And you leave them with the queen that has issues that they were purposefully trying to replace. Well, if that's the case, they're going to have to start that process over. They're going to have to find another viable egg and larva. They're going to raise that new queen and they're going to have to try again. So in that initial scenario, if you were to have left both colonies alone and that other queen was supposed to be replaced, that'll eventually happen. And if this other queen did end up just having a late time getting out and getting mated, she will eventually start laying and everything's going to be fine. So you can monitor the situation for a little while, but you can also take action. So in this case, they went ahead and already removed one of the two queens, left the other queen in there that they knew was laying, and then took out the queen from the other colony that's not laying and replaced it with one of these duplicate queens from the other colony. That's nice and confusing sounding. But the Mm -hmm. queen that wasn't laying is still alive. She's still in a cage. So... What I had kind of recommended was if you're curious, because the the concern was, what if I did the wrong thing? What if I shouldn't have done this and there's nothing wrong with her, you know, and I was just paranoid or premature in my actions? Well, take that queen and give her a small nuke. Just take out a couple of frames, like a frame of brood, a frame of food and an empty frame for her to lay in and put her into this small nuke and give her three more weeks and see what happens. At the end of that three week period, If she's fine and she started laying, you're going to see a beautiful brood pattern. They're going to be developing. It's all going to be great. And at that point, you can decide to go ahead and keep that as a nuke and raise it up and then try to overwinter the nuke itself just in a nucleus box. Or worst case scenario, she truly did have something wrong and she's still not laying three weeks later. Well, at that point, you can make the decision that what you had originally done was the right thing. You can have the peace of mind of that. And then you can go through, take her out, dispatch her, and you can recombine those other frames back into your existing colonies. So it's, it's, it's a win-win in one way. You didn't lose anything from that other than time. And it'll give yourself the peace of mind of knowing if the initial decision that you made was the right decision or not. So you can go through and you can kind of mitigate some of those things. but. Um, yes, it is. You know, you hear a lot of times that there is only one queen per colony, and that is true most of the time, like maybe 80% of the time. But there are instances where there can be two queens. There's instances where there can be a mother daughter situation where, for whatever reason, the new virgin queen, like the original queen, never swarms and leaves, and the new virgin queen never kills the other queen, and they kind of segregate themselves off. And if you have multiple boxes, Sometimes you'll find a queen in one box and a queen in the other box. But in most cases, it will eventually fix itself and balance itself back out. So there's some uh, other little decisions that might have to be made whenever you come into situations in years like this where there's lots of just chaos in nature and nothing seems to be going right, you know, and everything's all weird and topsy-turvy. You just kind of have to, some part of it, follow your gut. But the rest of it, though, is 
trust in the bees and maybe do a little bit of sleuthing around as to what else might be going on in the environment that could possibly be causing whatever it is that you're seeing. So there's that. That's a fun little aside on a, a listener question that came in literally just last night. So, so do you want to take the other queen to the park and let her loose? <laughs> I remember that. I don't, I don't remember for the life of me who it was that told us that, but that was cute. I remember that. That was uh, just to re- to refresh everybody's memories. That was uh, last year. That was a year before, um, before where that. we, yeah, where we had a listener who had, you know, written in and, and they ended the whole thing with, well, they had to get rid of their queen, but they didn't have the heart to dispatch her. So they just took her to the park and released her, you know, kind of like putting something out to pasture um, <laughs> because that way she could live out her final days. And and I was like, yeah, so, you know, you realize that the, although that sounds beautiful and peaceful, you still, well, basically <laughs> you, si- you sentenced her to a much worse death than if you would have just yeah. chopped off her head because yep. now she's out there where any predator can get her. She has no protection. She's not going to go forage, so she's going to slowly starve to death, worst case scenario, or something else is going to eat her. You know, she's not just going to go on living merrily for, for weeks on end. She, she's, she's doomed to a much, much worse fate than if you would have yeah. just chopped off her head. Yep. Oh, well. Yep. But it was a cute thought, though. It was, yep, it was a it cute was. thought. Mommy, what happened to my bunny? Oh, we took it to the farm, honey. Yeah. Oh, what's the farm? Oh, you put them in the commode and flush it. <laughs> oh, not a rabbit. That's a fish. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hopefully you ain't, you ain't flushing rabbits. That's bad. No. Sorry, kids. You didn't hear any of that. Tune that not all even. out. Mom and dad has never done no. that. The The little bunny no, or the little all. gerbil, it really did no. get to go out to the farm and it, 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 it went to the park. It got to go have a day in no. the park where it can run and frolic in the grass. It's all good. My cats didn't eat it. Oh, God. I was trying to end that on a good note. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyhow, now that your children are crying and upset because, you know, little bunny Fufu apparently got eaten by a cat, um, we're going to we're going to go ahead and just stop there. <laughs> okay. Well, yes, don't worry. The cats didn't eat the bunny. The cats didn't eat the goldfish. And oh, but the raccoons, I killed all our red hens. So, yep, at that note, John, it's oh. been fun, brother. Oh, wait, hang on. We can't what? stop. We can't oh, stop. No, you're doing. Oh, now you're doing what I do. Well, it's your fault because you got something you're supposed to do. It's the last oh, Monday of the oh. month. Oh yes. Okay, I've got it. Oh, I've got it we, right here. We hang gotta. On. We gotta talk about some food. It's time to see what sticky situations Ken can get himself into while combining that golden honey goodness into his sweet and savory creations. Welcome to Ken's Cooking Corner. I made one of my customers dearly loves pumpkin bread. So I said, you know, I'm going to make a pumpkin bread. So I did. Okay. I'll get ready. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I use a recipe online. So I have it in front of me now. Okay. This is how it goes. Two thirds cup of all purpose flour. One teaspoon of cinnamon, one, no, a half a teaspoon of nutmeg, half a teaspoon of ground cloves, uh, 
three quarters a teaspoon of baking soda, quarter teaspoon of salt, three large eggs. And now I want you to use two thirds cup. The recipe called for vegetable oil. Instead of me using vegetable because I'm on a diet trying to cut oil out, I used three quarters of cup of applesauce, which applesauce is basically, you just got to add a little more to it. We'll do what oil does. Then I used a cup of honey, then half a teaspoon of lemon extract, two teaspoons of vanilla extract, one cup of puree, pumpkin puree. Or if you got the homemade stuff, use it. Don't use pie filling. Okay, use the puree, the real stuff. Then you heat your oven up 350, put it in loaf, you know, mix, grease your loaf pans, pour your, your cake batter or your bread batter into that. And oh, yeah, you know, y'all put all that stuff up and stir it all together too. So, yeah. Uh, pour that into your pans. Uh, it takes about mm, 10 to 15 minutes till they're good and brown. Take them out and be sure to eat them while they're hot. <laughs> Slice your chunk off. Now you can feed the rest of the family, uh, that cold stuff, but slash your chunk off, smear your little butter on that. And that is some good eating, folks. I guarantee you, it might even drizzle you a little bit of honey on top of it. And instead of using all-purpose flour, you can use whole wheat flour there if you wanted to. I would probably put a cup of of uh, applesauce in that case because whole wheat flour is a drier flour than white flour. Yeah, try it and see what you think. Let us know. There you go. That? that was that was a much better ending than uh, than where we were a little bit ago. So that works. <laughs> yeah, and then and then we're back where we're supposed to be. We we got our we got our Ken's cooking corner in there, and we can call July done and prepare ourselves for August. Oh, shoot! What? One other thing that I was gonna mention. Yeah. So for those of you listening in real time, we have a opportunity coming up to do a live listener question and answer on natural beekeeping or or with natural beekeeping. Oh, yeah. So this coming Wednesday, again, for everybody listening in real time, this coming Wednesday, July 28th at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, that's United States time zones, Central Standard Time. For those of you who are out there somewhere else in the world, you'll have to figure the conversion on that one out yourself. But for everybody else, this coming Wednesday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, Natalie B., Ken, and myself will be doing a live broadcast that you can tune into on Podbean. So if you already follow us on Podbean, it'll send you a notification that we've gone live and you can tune in. Or if you haven't joined us on Podbean yet, you can go out there and do so. You can either download the Podbean app on your phone or you can go to podbean.com and that's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Sign up for a free account and follow the Hive Jive 
and it will notify you when we do go live. We're also going to post a link on social media that you can use to get in there for that. And what we're going to do is anybody, regardless if you're on your computer or on your phone, anybody can tune in and listen to the live show. But if you want to call in and physically ask your questions in a live setting for anything natural beekeeping related, any questions that you want, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't have to be natural beekeeping, but we will have Natalie there. So we'll have the opportunity for that. But if you if you just have some random general questions for any of us, you can call in and ask those as well. And we'll be more than happy to go through and tackle those. But there is one little caveat, though, to call in and ask the questions. You do need to be using your mobile device and you are going to need a dedicated headset and microphone. So it can be a you know old school cord that plugs into your phone that has the mic in line with the headset. It can be a gamer style headset that goes over your ears with a mic that comes around the front. Uh, trucker style headset kind of it doesn't really matter they can even be earbuds so long as you might want to turn them down just a little bit because on some of the earbuds where the mic is right there by the earpiece sometimes it will pick up the sound and the whole point of that is so that it doesn't get the reverberation and have the feedback loop that will happen sometimes if it if the mic picks up the sound from the headset but you do have to have a headset plugged into your phone to be able to do it but we would love to hear from you and we can have a little conversation and a chit chat and we can do some of these questions in real time. And again, Natalie will be there so we can we can focus on natural beekeeping. Any questions that you may have had from the natural beekeeping segments that we've done so far this year, you can go in there and have the opportunity to ask her those things. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be a good time. So that's coming up here in just a couple of days, Wednesday, July 28th, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, Podbean, follow the Hive Jive and you will be able to join in and, and either ask questions or at least listen and hopefully get a kick out of it. But I think there'll be a lot of, uh, a lot of good education that comes from some of these random questions as well. Uh, but there ain't no use anybody else could tune in because I've got a, a whole pile of questions I want to ask Natalie. Yeah, yeah. Ken's Ken's already prepared. If uh, if we don't have a lot of people show up, it'll be all right. Ken's got tons of questions. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got plenty of questions. If we get if we get tons of people to show up to it, we'll just put Ken on mute. It's fine. <laughs> that worked too. Uh, all right, everybody. Well, we look forward to potentially talking to you later this week on Wednesday. And for anybody who is not able to join into that, don't worry. You will be able to hear the recorded version of it. Will be the first release there for August. That first Monday in August. That's what that release will be. So if you want to participate and listen live or ask questions, join us Wednesday night at six o'clock. Or if you can't make it, that's fine. You can always hear the aftermath of what occurred that following Monday. So there you go. Look forward to it. And until then, y'all be good. We'll talk to you soon. Family, y'all be healthy, wealthy, and wise. How's that? Healthy, wealthy, and wise. I think I've heard that somewhere. But anyway, y'all be good, family. Thank y'all so very much for tuning in, y'all. Say bye, Ken. <laughs> oh, say bye, Ken. Y'all, y'all be good. <laughs> bye, Ken. Bye-bye. It's time for our guys to buzz off. But don't fret, the Hive Jive journey continues with new episodes Mondays every month. Until then, you can follow along with the guys on Facebook and Instagram at The Hive Jive. Thanks for listening and be safe out there. <laughs> <laughs>